I'm John Aslan, and this is This Week in APA. And the trifecta is back for a third edition of the History of APA, according to Fritz Light. I'm John Azalon, of course, and along with me once again, the company president, current company president, John Herson, and former company president, Fritz Light. Gentlemen, thanks for coming aboard again. Looking forward to this segment of This Week in APA. So am I. All right, let's get right to it. I think last week, Fritz, we ended up uh, getting to about the year 1984 when the game company uh, got into computers. Uh, and, and much to the chagrin, I think, to some extent of Dick Seitz, uh, he wasn't all that thrilled about getting into it and upgrading uh, technology. Uh, but you went out and were using uh, PC systems, the early PC systems for a lot of the office work, mailing lists, things of that nature. Uh, let's pick it up right there. Let, let's let's see where it went from that time period and how it advanced from using it for office purposes to the point where uh, the the uh, game, the computer gaming uh, industry started and how APA became part of that. Yeah, if I can if I can backtrack and go in the wrong direction for a few seconds. Sure. The first time I started to think about uh, anything uh, digital for APA uh, was in the mid to late 1970s when we were getting our printing done. It was always done on uh, the long runs were always done on old fashioned linotype machines where the type was created mm-hmm. and the uh, type was set, and uh, then that type was used on a uh, uh, obviously a large commercial printing machine. Right. Uh, and uh, one day uh, I went in to uh, uh, take in some new copy and the, uh, uh, the actual copywriter uh, happened to be uh, there. And he said, I want to show you how we're going to do this this year. And he brought out what was called, he didn't bring it out. It was enormous. Uh, <laughs> but he took me back to what was called a CompuGraphic machine which was a, uh, uh, probably uh, a harbinger of word processing. Mm-hmm. He actually typed the copy that I wanted in uh, rather than sending it in line of type. And this was, uh, this was a revelation. That was the first time I thought about something that might apply to us, which was uh, uh, software-oriented oriented in general, although I'm not even sure I knew the word software at that point. So moving along, then it became obvious in the early 80s, I think I may have mentioned last week that the way we were uh, producing uh, labels for our mailing and uh, maintaining our customer list was uh, highly outdated. Uh, And uh, we were probably we probably jumped uh, uh, technology by about three or four steps at one time. And I think I mentioned last week that I had someone right custom programming for what we needed at the time very fundamental stuff uh and uh uh, buying old cpm morrow md11 machines four of them uh which was our first real venture into any sort of uh, office uh computerization uh i did mention the uh uh, the extraction program didn't i for names for the various machines yeah, I believe you did, okay. and I, I, I think go into that again. Yeah. Anyway, that that went much more smoothly than it had a right to, given all the things that can go wrong, particularly in uh, coding software, which I I had no idea was so complex at the time. Uh, it worked very well. Uh, Dick was uh, not involved in it at all, except to uh, uh, grudgingly write checks as the process went along. <laughs> 
And uh, when he first saw the uh, labels being generated, I think he became a, a convert immediately. But the only thing that I recall him ever doing directly uh, in a hands-on way involving the computers was we had a uh, particularly troublesome customer. Uh, I myself never thought a troublesome customer was too troublesome to remain a customer. But <laughs> Dick, Dick told, I think it was Burl who told me later, uh, that uh, Dick told him he wanted to delete a customer. <laughs> and, and he, he wanted to do it himself. So Burrell put him through his paces and he deleted this customer. To my, to my recollection, that was his only direct involvement with the machines in any way. Well, let uh, me ask you, let me ask you, did that customer ever figure out how to get back into the good graces of the game company? I, I don't know. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I just don't recall. <laughs> that, that, that'll be a lesson and, for all of you folks out there that are towing that line. <laughs> I, I, I understand exactly how Dick feels. Uh, <laughs> the order system allows us to put flags on customer accounts. Uh, Oh, that's, 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 that's just a warning. Go ahead. <laughs> Fritz. So moving along then, in uh, uh, we had uh, uh, various iterations of our office software upgrading, uh, replacing, and uh, that, that again went, uh, I would say, well over the course of years, given the, uh, the size of the company and mm -hmm. the size of the mailing list. Then in the early 80s, uh, people started to approach us, uh, both customers and uh, uh, business people, about uh, producing what was then called a computerized version of the baseball game, uh, right. of the games in general, but of the baseball game in particular. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, that, when we were first approached with that, uh, Dick was not necessarily, he was not opposed to it. Uh, but he thought it was he thought it was premature, and and he was right in that case, no question. If you yeah. look back to 1981, 82. Uh, but then in 1980, I'm going to guess in 1983, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, he had a meeting with uh, a. Uh, I think maybe I touched on this last week. Pardon my bad memory, but uh, a uh, a big wig in the Republican Party in Washington wanted to introduce him to someone. Uh, have I covered this? Well, yeah, you talked about John Sununu being a co-writer. Oh, co I did. Okay. Yeah, but, that's, but, okay. but we barely, barely touched on it. So, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, we had a meeting, and uh, John Sununu himself was there uh, and uh, proposed that uh, he do the coding for a, uh, a baseball game. And, again, this was a little too early for us, and Dick was uh, certainly correct in making that decision at that point. But this – this visit is something that made him take it more seriously. Uh, then probably also in 83 or perhaps early 84, uh, we were approached by Miller Associates. Right. And uh, the, uh, the, the approach which never reached me uh, wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't received by Dick all that graciously, I guess you could say. <laughs> But uh, Miller Associates persisted, and uh, how their connection with Random House began, I have no idea. But somehow, Millers were first to be in touch with Random House about APA. Mm -hmm. And then we had an approach from Random House. And uh, this, was, uh, this was a visit from the big time. And uh, Dick began to take it quite seriously then. And we believed, uh, let me say I believed at that point, that we could maintain the... Uh, the base for the board games and add the uh, uh, add the computer games uh, as another line. Uh, that turned out not to be entirely correct, although it was correct in the case of uh, most of our longtime customers. Mm -hmm. um, but we uh, we met with I ran met with Random House in New York a couple of times. Dick pretty much didn't leave the office, uh, and uh, eventually Random House made at least one and maybe it was multiple visits to Lancaster to try to sell this concept. And then there was a period of negotiation among us and Miller's uh, and Random House as to how this was to break down financially. One thing that uh, I was, uh, that I overlooked, I can't blame myself for too much, 
is insisting that some level of marketing would be taken would be undertaken by Random House when they actually published the product. Right, right. The development the development went pretty well. And Miller's very Roswell Miller Kenneth's brother, very very competent, more than competent programmer. And uh, again, having contact with software later on, I, I didn't realize at the time what a, a good and clean job he did in writing code. Uh, so eventually, uh, Miller's Random House and Apple came to an agreement, not a, not a three-sided agreement, but a separate contract between uh, Apple and Random House and a contract between Miller's and Random House, which I was never privy to, uh, nor should I have been. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, there were some delays. We expected to have the uh, the product uh, in. Gee, I'm going to say, was this '84? I'm I'm not sure. We uh, in any case, we expected to have the product in a January. It might have been January of '85. Okay. Uh, and uh, be able to supply it in conjunction with our normal January mailing. Uh, it was delayed, of course, until I think perhaps May, and uh, I didn't uh, I didn't realize at the time that virtually every software product is delayed. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was published by Random House with, uh, uh, as you've seen, I'm sure, uh, high end packaging uh, and uh, a uh, a new licensing agreement with the uh, Major League Baseball players. Yeah. It was cleverly named APA Major League Players Baseball by Random House uh, because we had the rights to the term Major League Baseball Players, although we did not have the Random House did not have the right to Major League. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Random House introduced it with a, a party where they had a whole floor of the 21 Club in New York. Uh, I was there, Millers were there, uh, all kinds of press were there. Uh, I learned later a lot of press was there because it was free food and drink. And <laughs> no, that, it's true. It's That's true. the press, right, right? No interest or relation to the product at all, but we're happy to come at Random House's expense and enjoy themselves. Right. And after that, as far as Random House was concerned, it pretty much sat there. Um, hmm. I had made some suggestions for advertising during the course of development, and uh, none of them materialized. And Fairly soon after the product was released, remember the, the publication Baseball Digest? I know sure. you do. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very inexpensive. Anybody who was a baseball fan bought it, and we advertised there yearly. No, I guess it was a monthly publication. A monthly, we published, yeah. we advertised there every month, I think, and it was always quite successful. And it was very inexpensive to buy a page. So I'm going to say $400, $500 for a page, maybe. Mm -hmm. full Which page right even then was pretty cheap so random house called and said uh, where do you think we should advertise and i said well i, I gave you a whole list of uh, uh suggestions some time ago and so and so has it and it's, well, so so and so isn't here any longer um so i started with baseball digest uh how much does it cost a page oh four hundred dollars well how about half a page uh, this is random house this is yes. house. Right, right. How about a quarter page? I'm not making this up. At that point, I knew the uh, marketing was going to be pretty much limited to the uh, party that they'd had at the 21 Club. Uh, yes. And uh, why why they put the money into the development of it uh, and the packaging and the licensing agreement with a substantial minimum for them and never marketed the product, uh, I never understood. So, yeah, and let me stop you there because you mentioned the the marketing and the box. I remember the first box uh, uh, that it came in, the game itself, beautiful. I mean, it, it was, was it was a thing of beauty without it was question. A high class product. You knew you were getting something good when you got it. Do you think? Do you think Random House just got cold feet over? Is you know maybe this game isn't going to be as popular as we think, or do you think? the purse spring uh, strings were just getting shorter and they just had to watch their budget and couldn't afford to put money into this new, new I project. have no way of knowing, but my guess is this uh, all of, I shouldn't say all, but many of the big publishers thought they were going to make a fortune in software as mm -hmm. soon as uh, any sort of software came out. 
And my get random house had a few other small software items. And my guess is uh, they were initially uh, not faring very well with that and yeah. began to get cold feet, as you suggested. But but my guess is that's the reason that yeah. there is other software wasn't selling through the roof as they had anticipated it would. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the uh, to a lesser degree, it was kind of like the uh, dot com era. Mm -hmm. uh, 15 years earlier, where you heard the word software and, uh, oh, we're going to make a fortune in software. Uh, so that, that's my guess. Yeah. But in any, yeah. in any case, uh, it, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, we had, uh, uh, we meaning, I think, Roswell, Kenneth Miller, and I had multiple meetings with Random House in New York and uh, uh, were trying to get them to move or surrender the rights to the uh, product. Yeah. And uh, it took it took years for that to happen. And I do remember Roswell saying, <laughs> "You have uh, micro league baseball, which was a huge hit right out of the box." And Roswell said, "This is uh, put together by a couple guys in a garage," which was not true. But it was put <laughs> together by people with uh, a fraction of the resources of Random House. Yeah, and it was very successful because it was the first product out there of its kind. Um, and eventually that was that was the uh, uh, foundation of the company that uh, I eventually sold to. But getting back to Random House, nothing really happened. And we were unable for years to uh, agree on terms under which they would uh, uh, allow the rights to the game to revert to us and the rights to the code, which, of course, Miller owned, to revert to them. And when that finally happened... Uh, I and uh, uh, Miller Associates really never got together. I don't think we ever had a written agreement. We we had oral agreements, which they completely honored. Uh, I found them to be entirely honest people. And mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, there never was, I don't want to characterize them as being greedy at all. I think there just wasn't a big enough pot to go around and make it, make both of us happy. Right. And each of us believed that our side of it was the uh, more valuable side, uh, which is natural. Yeah. And uh, we, there were certainly uh, hiccups along the way, but the product kept being uh, manufactured and uh, uh, we kept on with, I believe, which what was a, an informal agreement for uh, years up until the time that, uh, that I sold the company. And honestly, I can't remember much of what happened after I sold the company with Miller's. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that Dick was kind of uh, a shadowy figure in this really didn't want to get involved or didn't think he could really contribute much. He kind of left this to you and random house and the Miller brothers. Um, did he have any say it, when things started to go astray as far as lack of marketing, did he have any input into that? At the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he wasn't the one who was directly dealing with it, but yes, he certainly had input. And going back a step, when Miller's brought a prototype to Lancaster, um, Dick invited, or maybe I even invited, I can't remember, David Eisenhower, who was one of mm -hmm. our uh, uh, great customers and a, a very good friend of Dick's and a friend of mine as well to uh, view this prototype that Miller's had. And Dick was very skeptical about it. This was, this was, gee, I think before we were contacted by Random House, but I'm not certain. Okay. Anyway, his view of the uh, software product and my view originally was that it would just repeat everything that was on the, uh, the boards, mm -hmm. you know, uh, verbatim. Uh, when Miller's came in with this product with an actual uh, uh, replication of an audio broadcast of a game, which seemed like a contradiction in terms when you've got <laughs> effectively an audio broadcast on a video screen. Right. Uh, he initially reacted negatively to that. Uh, I, I thought it was terrific. Uh, he reacted negatively. But uh, David, David was very enthusiastic about it. So that influenced him. Uh, David had uh, uh, an effect on his thinking, and David was a great customer, and Dick thought he was at least somewhat representative of uh, the most devoted uh, part of the customer base that we had. Right. Uh, and he was not persuaded that this was any kind of long-term uh, project or long-term success 
but uh, he was convinced that uh, he became convinced with, with Random House's involvement that, that it was a product that we could be proud to uh, proud to have as uh, as part of our uh, product group, and mm -hmm. he thought we could make some money on it. Uh, in the meantime, he did not believe that computer games were going to be lasting. Uh, he always thought that uh, customers. Uh, and I'm exaggerating a little, but customers' uh, preferences would revert back to 1955 or so. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> again, that, that's an exaggeration, but he thought the board games would become uh, dominant again, and it turned out that was, uh, that was not the case, except with a portion of uh, our existing mailing list. Yeah, and, and that's, that's another thing that I, I think, was he looking at that? Was he looking at, you know, we have... Uh, a rather aged uh, 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 fan base or or customer base um, that he kind of say I don't think these guys are going to want to get into computerization. They're going to just want to stick with cards and dice and boards. Now the younger set, I mean younger people who may or may not be getting into this and may be getting into it, may be enticed by the computerization. Do you think he looked at the demographics of the company and said? I just don't think this is going to go. Or do you think he was just not that thrilled about technology? He was not that thrilled about the future of a, of a computer product. Uh, mm -hmm. He did believe, uh, and, and let me make sure I finish this so it's not taken out of context. He did believe that, uh, uh, and this was true, that he could put uh, the AppBot brand on almost any product and it would sell at least initially. But, and this is the important part, he did not want to put the the app uh, brand on any product that he didn't feel was uh, uh, up to the name. Uh, so he didn't want to just slap the app on name on a, on a product without having something that we could be proud to sell. But he did not believe that software was the uh, uh, was the future of the company or the future of any company except in business. He came to believe very much in the business aspect of uh, of computers. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, that's pretty much the uh, the way he felt yeah and and john you kind of go by that too you are very uh um, protective of the app brand and you said it many many times you will not because people were asking about expanding into different games or getting back into different games and you are very adamant about this has got to be an app product that we would be proud to have the app name on am i correct yeah i I always use the example, Fritz, of, of the blue box, the Tiffany blue box. You know, when you're in trouble, you go to Tiffany's and whoever you're giving the blue box to knows it's a quality, you know, it's not something from Jared's. Uh, and I think, you know, the rounded corners, the thicker cardstock cards, not perforated sheets or PDFs, uh, the game packaging has always been uh, best in field best in class and and we have to continue to do that yeah and and i and i think it goes back all the way back to what uh, fritz is talking about with he and dick and wanting to protect uh, that brand absolutely it's in the dna of abba from day one yeah yeah so so the the problems with the uh computerized version of the game um were there but how did you get past that and get to where the game actually became very successful you mean how did i uh present it internally is that what you're asking yeah yeah that, yeah well after this after this presentation by millers uh with uh, dave eisenhower's input uh we were pretty much full speed ahead uh he just wanted a business deal which was fair which which i was negotiating but with his uh, within his guidelines mm -hmm. um he wanted a deal that was fair. Uh, he wanted uh, uh, he wanted it to be a high quality product, which he was persuaded it would be when Random House became involved, and uh, he wanted it to be something that the uh, the customer base would accept. It was uh, we also believe, and I believe this true too, that uh, uh, in the early days in selling the computer game to a wider base, uh, which we thought we would have access to through Random House and their retail uh, their retail connections that we could sell board game products to people who started with the computer game uh that turned out 
to be inaccurate. However, we never had a broad enough sampling to see if it might have worked. Right. Um, in the early days, we thought if if somebody knows that these results on their screen are being generate generated from cards in particular, they, they would want to see those cards. Yeah. But uh, we never we never had uh, enough sales outside the app uh, stream to uh, uh, to make a, a, a real determination on that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that, that doesn't make sense. And, uh, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys, including myself who play almost BBW exclusively now, I still love to get a set of cards and look through them. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't done it before, then, you know, you have to get to that point where enough people would be interested in that who haven't seen the card. So it, it's, it's kind of a dilemma. Um, well, the battle is, you know, BBW keeps track of stats automatically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge factor, don't you? Well, the the original version did not. It only well, kept them for a game, a game yeah. by game. Yep. Yeah, I do. I do recall that. And then Statmaster came another part. And that was something. That was something I expected would be part of the uh, game, and uh, uh, did not realize until much later that uh, much closer to release date that we were not going to have that. And in order to have that, it was going to cause a major delay in the release. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know that I'm not suggesting that was uh, kept from us by Miller Associates or by Random House. It might just have been a question that I didn't ask that I should have asked, assuming that it would be part of it. So were they were they involved in, in creating Statmaster as well for the game? Not, not in Statmaster, no. That was a, uh, a fan named... Danny Landers, I believe, out of Georgia. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. He's still with us, I believe. He's still with you? No, I no, he's I don't think he's uh I think he's passed away for him. Oh, oh nice guy. Very nice guy. Fritz, can I ask you a couple of questions about uh the marketing of uh, BBW? Sure. I have a, a, somewhere in a file here. Um first time I heard about it was Random House had a I'd say a third page ad in like page four or page six of the Chicago Sunday Chicago Tribune sports section. Don't remember was, that. Okay. Uh, the second thing is the trifold mailer that came out was great. It was just like an ABBA brochure. Was that something you did or Miller did? What? Uh, just a black and white? No, this is a colored one. So it may have been a little bit further down the road. It it must have been. Uh, and I meant if it was in an Appot mailer, then Appot did it. No, this came separate from them. Gee, I don't know. We we didn't give Random House our mailing list. I know yeah, that. We this, didn't give anybody our mailing Miller. List. The trifold came from Miller's directly. Okay. Uh, Miller's, uh, there was some... Uh, cross-fertilization because some people bought products uh, as time went on directly from Miller's uh, and who were who, people who were Appbot customers, that is. So Miller's obtained them uh, legitimately as customers that way. So if, if they're, if they're mailer, I, I wouldn't have thought they would have accumulated enough to send a mailer uh, to just our mail uh, people that they that acquired from us, but I, I don't know. I just don't remember that. Uh, sorry, put, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I and now that I'm thinking about it more, I think it was for a BBW belt, uh, broadcast. That uh, put that mm -hmm. together. So I, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you come about getting, or, or were you involved with getting Ernie Harwell? To do no, 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 no. That was that was all Millers, and I don't know how they did it. They, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. That that was I, 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 once in a while in my replay for a Detroit Tiger home game. I'll have Arnie Harwell. Yeah, I, maybe Random House was involved too. I don't remember, but Appa was not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Um, all right, so 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 pick it up from from there, and and uh, you know again. Uh, a lot of machinations going on trying to get this thing off the floor. Um, so uh, where, where did you go from that point? It was, it was a very successful product uh, for us, just for our mailing list. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, again, through the years, once we began dealing with Miller's directly, 
uh, although it was a, a very successful product by our standards, uh, there was a lot uh, there was a lot smaller margin on it because everything else for the board games we were manufacturing and marketing yeah. marking up as we chose. Yeah. Whereas uh, uh, when we were buying from Random House, we uh, we bought as any other retailer would buy the product from them and had the uh, uh, I'm digressing a little, but also had the, the, the negative effect for our own customers of, of having constant delays uh, even in subsequent years for the, uh, the data discs as they were called as that time there was yeah. at that time, there was no excuse for those not to be ready, say a week after uh, mm -hmm. a week after the mailer was out. In fact, these days, probably a week after the season's over. Yeah. But uh, it would take them up to three, four, five months to get it done. That problem was pretty much solved when we began dealing directly with Millers. But then again, we weren't manufacturing a disc for uh, 40 cents and selling it for $20. Yeah. We were buying it from Millers uh, at X dollars because they had the right to the disc and then reselling. So, so yeah, as, as a product that was quite successful, but it, we weren't making the margin on it that we were on, uh, on board game products. Yeah. And you weren't really getting that aftermarket value of people buying the computer game and then being curious about the cards and the board game. And it it, it happened, but it did not happen frequently. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, Fritz, just, just so you know, uh, tomorrow we're starting to take orders on the for BBW 2022 season disc and season file. <clears throat> so uh, it's still, you know... It, you know, I wish we could do it the week after, um, but the, you know, you know there, that's there's a science and an art to making the cards and the files. Yeah, and it's the art part that takes. Well. I just want to correct that because otherwise, I know I'm gonna get a lot of emails from folks saying, "Fritz said it should be done the week after the World Series." Where is it? You can always delete me from the mailing list, John. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. At all. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just yes i was i was he's, he's i was uh, i was exaggerating pretty grossly <laughs> uh so uh, so so th then you know where where was it at that time um and in the in the early years of bbw um what percentage of customers were playing bbw as opposed to card and dice and who were playing both did you did you remember the numbers from back then I, I really don't. Um, I think when we first, I know one thing we did, we, uh, we boosted the PC industry because I, there were hundreds, literally hundreds of people, maybe a thousand mm -hmm. who said, I'm going to buy a computer in order to play your game. What should I buy? Yeah. Um, uh, Having said that, there were a number of people when it first came out who didn't have a computer and weren't willing to invest a couple thousand in order yeah. to uh, try the uh, software version of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to look at it this way. If we sold, if we sold X new baseball games uh, or card sets in the first year, in January, the first year the uh, uh, the Random House product came out, I'm going to say we we sold computer the computer came to maybe a third of those. Mm, okay. it, was, it was a very it was a very healthy number. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and that would be I I think that would be a, a good number uh, at the beginning uh, of the process. Um, so, so again, where did it go from there as far as the continuation of running a computerized game and running a card and dice game? Where, where did it extend from there now that Random House has pretty much said, well, we're not going to promote the game. And then you're working with Miller Brothers for the most part and, and establishing the, the BBW. Yeah. Miller's, uh, Miller's input the data. Um, uh, the uh, um, the stats in the uh, uh, the card numbers, and I guess I guess that's all there was. The stats and the card numbers. 
and uh, they would generate a data disk from there. And yeah. it, it, it didn't take them a whole lot, uh, a very long time to do that once the input was done. Uh, we could generate data disks pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to expand the data disks as, as uh, the breadth of data disk offerings as much as we could and as quickly as we could. And there were a lot of old card sets out there to draw from. Right. Uh, and that became certainly a significant part of the business. Uh, it was, uh, it wouldn't have been, it certainly, it wouldn't have been a, uh, it would have been a much smaller business. It would have been a much smaller business uh, by volume of sales, say mm -hmm. in 1990, than it had been in 1980, had we not yeah. had software. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Uh, and that makes sense. Um, Fritz, um, why, why did um, they stop producing uh, the BBW for Apple? Just not enough sales? Yes, yeah, just not enough sales and uh, uh, expensive uh, writing the code and uh, revising the code. Were you involved or did you have any say in uh, the creation of Wizard? Like you can or you can't do that? I don't think so. If I was, I don't recall. Well, for what it's worth, um, I had a conversation with Roswell one time about something else. And um, he said, I asked him why, you know, they did wizard and he said we were misled you know that was for one off you know the, the example everybody gives is lou brock you know half season with the cubs half season with the cardinals you know cc sabathia cleveland and then the brewers where they're they're outstanding for one team pedro uh, ramos for the indians and the yankees in 64 yep uh and they you know he said they never would have done that um or they would have limited the ability to do it to one-offs instead of importing, you know, an entire league and having a league disc in, you know, minutes. Um, when did Wizard? When did Wizard come out? Was that before or after General Manager that was done in Texas by the Brown family? Uh, I think it was after. I never bought General Manager. Um, I, I mean, I started with the DOS version. Initially, it was just the game, two disc, two CDs, two disc, I guess. And then uh, was it Statmaster that came next? Yes, and, I believe so. And wasn't Innovator really the, the predecessor of Wizard? Uh, you know, maybe Innovator preceded Statmaster. Yeah, I, I, it does. It I, might have. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking, trying to look here over the different manuals, instruction manuals I have. Um, it really wasn't until they got to when they went to Windows that, um, well, when they went to Windows, they combined everything basically, didn't they? I can't remember. Windows, Windows, I think, came out in '93. That was right after I bought the company, okay? Because then when? you had League Manager and Statmaster and Draft and oh yeah, you had the whole package then. And yeah. I think I think uh, I think Fritz is right. It was probably around a 1993, 92, 93, or maybe 93, 94 that those all kind of got packaged mm -hmm. together. Yeah, I mean that's why we went, we upgraded Windows at home was was so you know we we could play that. Yeah. Um, so, Fritz, were you involved in any of, you know, those different modules they were adding to the game or or not? Statmaster, of course, substantially. Innovator, you know, it kind of rings a bell, but I can't remember any mm -hmm. specifics. Uh, Wizard, I, I honestly don't recall at all. Hmm. Um. So, uh, so the the league manager and the commissioner files, where you don't need every manager doesn't need to have a purchase a data disk. That was just something Miller's was was doing uh, on their own, and obviously that was pre email. So you know, I'm sure yeah. they won't do it the same way today because of the you know the availability 
Right. And uh, you're losing. Yeah. yeah. To be passed around one guy in a league, buy it and then pass it around to everybody else. And then yeah. just take sales. But uh, yeah, it would be interesting to know if that's what's there. Obviously, probably not their original idea behind that. Um, but no, uh, that wasn't the idea. And yeah. I, I really just can't remember much of anything about the development. Did, did they ever talk to you, you know, about, you know, the audio obviously is way ahead of its time. Yeah. Were, were they planning on using that, the, the, the tools and knowledge they developed, you know, adding Ernie to BBW for some other projects or they just never shared that with you? Uh, to the best of my recollection, uh, the answer is no, but I, I would have had no way of what they were, no way of knowing what they were talking to uh, Ernie Harwell about. So yeah. it's, it's possible, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, I ask you all these questions that, you know, um, I just curious, uh, you know, obviously we don't offer wizard anymore. Uh, it's not compatible for windows 10 or 11. Uh, a lot of people ask for it. Um, it would be a big slog uh, to program it. And then we would limit it that if you want to do a full season, you'd have to enter 900 records. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, uh, still, I still use it for my replay because I, I'm using the old version of, uh, uh, of the game. And if I want to add players to my original disc, then I have to use the wizard. But, you know, in subsequent years, when I would switch to the new version and to a new version of, of, of Windows, uh, I will, you know, have that complete disc with all, every player that played. But wizard to me right now is I have to have it. because and, I've, and I have developed all the players that weren't part of the original disc because if something should happen to my computer or that, version of the game those those guys are wiped out i can't get them back so uh it it did a, it really served a great purpose but you're right uh, you know when you look at the cost and and what it'd be to maintain that it's it's just not worth it did you fritz ever think that uh bbw would became what it has become as far as the 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 breadth of the offering how intertwined it is no, sir, surely not. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I was wondering, too, because they, you know, continue to add parts and packages to the development. I mean, things like Micromanager. I mean, again, you know, I'm sure they look at it and thought, well, you know, most of this was going to be uh, league play uh, or replay or one or the other. But, you know, Micromanager as well, if guys are playing solo, this would be a great way for them to play one team rather than than both teams or play both teams using the micromanager and having some semblance of uh, a, a, a manager making decisions during the game. I mean, I, I think it was all well thought out and and in doing so, I think became a super popular uh, product uh, for the game company. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I, I, I I want to share a story right here. I don't mean to embarrass you, Fritz. Uh, I had issues with one of the is the old five and a quarter floppies. The flops. Yeah. I called Miller's about it. I don't know who I talked to there, and they said, "Did you buy it from us?" And then basically hung up. <laughs> and I remember calling you then. I got you. I called Ab and I got you, and I explained the situation. And he said, I got, you told me, I got your name and address here. I'll send you out a replacement right away. And I just a, a hundred degree difference in, you know, one way to do it right and one way to do it wrong. And uh, so you really had, you know, you had partners that sometimes their customer service wasn't the great greatest, you know, that you had to overcome and compensate for to keep them, to keep the customers happy. Um, so it just, it, you're, the customer service has always been good at Ava. I believe. Yeah. No, well, no. you can, you can, we can amend that in one way. If you want to go back, uh, one thing that I emphatically disagreed with Dick Seitz on from the day I started there was uh, our policy at that time of not taking returns. 
I said, it's a terrible marketing policy. Uh, and it's not a practical policy because hardly anybody ever wants to return anything. <laughs> They're always pleased with what they get. Uh, uh, probably 95% of the return requests we got uh, when I first started, and there weren't many. I shouldn't say 95%. That suggests there were at least 100 returns, and there was nothing like that. But if we had uh, if we had 20 returns in a year, probably uh, 18 of them would be uh, the basketball game, which was much more complex than the other mm -hmm. games. But uh, that's that's one thing that I changed when I bought the company, because, and I never could get through to Dick and changing that. He just could not could not tolerate sending out a return. <laughs> That's old school for you right there. <laughs> well, pride and confidence in what, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we say sales are final, and very rarely do we take returns. Um, and one of the things that's happened is that people cherry-pick cards out of the set they're returning. Mm -hmm. So, you know. No, no, I, I, no, I wouldn't have taken that. I wouldn't yeah. have taken that. Yeah. And I wouldn't have taken a return if some people attempted after five years or so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get anybody who sent in an ad for like a, uh, a sample card that was, we got one last year, a 1983 ad from Baseball Digest. And he, he wanted the sample card. And he was very upset when we told him we no longer have that. <laughs> from 83? 83, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, go to the, maybe you go to the dealer and get a 57 Chevy, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Get one of the muscle cars from this <laughs> back in the day. Uh, that's 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 funny. Well, and it is. It's surprising what you and, and John, you know, I, I know that occasionally I hear uh, some of the some of the requests uh, that you get, and it's, it it is quite amazing. I just don't think some people understand how businesses run. They have no business acumen whatsoever to try to figure out that the question they're asking or the request it just isn't possible and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of that. But I, I tried, I tried, and didn't always succeed. I tried to take uh, that as a positive. Yeah, you know, somebody somebody isn't going to ask a a, a silly or outrageous, uh, outrageously complicated question if they aren't uh, taking the game very seriously. So right. I, I right. try to take that as a plus, but it, it often was difficult when you were uh, on the phone or having uh, right. one of your your staff being on the phone and taking half the day with this person when there were orders to be gotten out. Sure. Sure. Yeah, but it's a good point. Basically, it's a sign of passion. I, John, yeah. uh, and you know, they, they think a lot of other people feel the same way. Mm. And yeah. So, so I, I think we've covered, uh, the computerized, uh, version of the game. Was there anything you wanted to add to that Fritz, uh, uh as we get closer to, uh, the years of the early nineties and the eventual you taking over the, the, the company? Not that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a huge fan of BBW. It's really what I play now. And it's it, it's mainly because of the um, ease of the game, not having to do stats. And, and when you're doing replays, that is that is just huge. And the way that this game has stood the test of time. And I talk to John about this all the time. It is amazing. The playability of the game. It hasn't, you know, dated itself. It is still a great game to play whether you're playing uh, back in the, in the 1930s or the 50s or the 60s or the 2000s it still plays amazingly well and just doesn't get old no and although uh, uh the millers and i didn't always get on the same page easily that's a credit to the millers yeah, and 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 I and I think to the innovations that that you had and thought about uh, to continue this game and have it being marketable uh, to the Apple community, I, I I think there's a lot of credit that should go to you uh, as well as the Millers. So um, okay, we're we're probably pushing uh, I guess the 1990s now, Fritz. Unless you can uh, expound on anything else that happened in the 80s. Uh, John, can I just add one sure. about the longevity of uh, BBW? Uh, Fritz and Miller's deserve a lot of credit. 
yeah. but the community deserves as much credit because if they don't support the product, the product's not going to be in existence. It's not mm. going to be updated because the resources aren't going to be there to do that. Right. So I, first, I always think that anything that's successful with ABBA, it's as much the community as whoever might be, you know, doing it at ABBA. Oh yeah. That's, that's always been the case. No question. Well, John, if I ever get done with this 64 replay, I might start buying more product, but I can't buy because I don't, I don't have time to play it. I, <laughs> hey, you're, yeah, you're, probably, yeah. you're probably thinking this guy's not helping the company at all because I'm stuck in 1964 for the last seven years. John, but, at the convention, go around and I'll point out who you should go around and ask and ask them what is the oldest unopened package they have <laughs> in their man cave, their garage, wherever it might be. And it'll be yours, won't it, Fritz? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's it's quite the community. There's there's no question about it. Well, John, John Aslan, when uh, Chico Ruiz steals home and the ten game losing streak starts, don't call me. <laughs> you know what? I'll wait. The Phillies are still got a big lead, but I am waiting for the bottom to drop out. We'll we'll just have, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah. Chico stealing home with Frank Robinson at bat. That, yeah. Not the smartest uh, move. Not the yeah. smartest move in the world. But oh. it works out. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, I mean, we're we're, we're about fifty minutes in to, to this uh, uh, particular podcast. Maybe it might be time to kind of put this one down, and maybe next time start to where we get to the uh, the beginning of the nineties, and then the the eventual uh, passing of uh, Dick Seitz and where you, Fritz, uh, uh, take over the role of uh, president of the Apple Game Company. Um, uh, you know, w- one last thing before we, we put this episode to bed, it really seems like, uh, it, you know, even though Dick had control of the company, he really gave you a lot of rope to do the things that you felt you wanted to do. He respected your opinion. Uh, you may have argued over things here and there, but uh, you had to be really uh, happy with the way that he was trusting you and giving you uh, a whole lot of leeway with how the company was run. Uh, did you feel that when, when you were there towards the, well, really the entire time you were there, it sounds like. Well, he, he gave me quite a bit of authority from the beginning, and I would say I took more as time went <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but, but, you know, uh, but I don't think he would have allowed that if he didn't think that you had the best interest of the company. And uh, Well, and, I don't think he had any. I certainly hope he never would have had any doubt that I had the best interest of the company. Yeah, and, and some great ideas and, and which really made the company flourish. So, uh, uh, hey, uh, John, go ahead. If you have any final uh, questions. i got and a then, couple questions that sure. I forgot to ask last week. Uh, yeah. Fritz, you, you know, the specialty sets. Uh, you know, uh, the Negro League, uh, great team, you know, the franchise all-star sets, uh, the 30 and 50 decade sets. What was the process in deciding, hey, you know, this is a pretty good idea. And then, uh, you know, selecting players or deciding what the number of players were going to be for each team in a set. The original, original franchise all-stars, uh, were something that, that I had wanted to do. The timing, and I remember this clearly, the timing uh, was decided on uh, by Dick and me in 1981 to release in 1982 because we thought we were going to take a beating on the uh, contemporary cards because of the strike in 81. The sets after that, the decade sets, I can't remember when the decade sets came out. Were they? I think they were after the franchise All-Stars. Oh, yeah, they were definitely after that. I They were... The thinking was kind of the same as the uh, original franchise All-Stars. And... uh, uh, it seemed logical to have to have decade sets. Those weren't enormous sellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, candidly, we also needed 
uh, more products to round out the product line, especially on the board game side, because the board game sales were declining. Uh, the software sales were growing or maintaining, but the board game sales were declining and uh, we didn't want to lose any of those board game customers. So we wanted to keep them in, in continuing product. Um, I know the, the original franchise All-Stars idea was, was mine to begin with, something Dick was enthusiastic about when and how we did the subsequent uh, uh, franchise All-Stars in decades. That's like, I can't remember exactly when or how, but it was the same, the same kind of thinking. Uh, who selected the players? Was that you and Dick and maybe Skeet? Because Skeet does a lot of that now for us. With us. Um, I I would have done most of it if uh, I don't remember if Jim Tinney was around then yet or not. Uh, if it was before if it was before I bought the company, then he wasn't around. So if it was done, then I did it. Okay. Uh, maybe 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 Skeet would have had input. I I don't recall. I I would have been responsible in the end. He might have had some input. I don't, don't remember. You know, I'm amazed because, you know, the uh, we split the franchise All-Stars uh, into a pre-expansion and post-expansion. And uh, we, every year, update the post-expansion for players. Um, it's not based on necessarily their current year production, uh, but like some players like Akuna with the Braves, we didn't put him in in 2019 because it was his first year. You know, you want to avoid a Joe Charbonneau uh, situation. But after his 21 season, we put him in, but we used his 2019 season card. Um, but every year we do that. But I just turn it over to Skeet, and, and it's amazing, his memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's much better what than mine. About older players and, and the new players, uh, you know, he's he's – if there's ever you want to be a millionaire baseball edition, he, maybe he should try to get on there. <laughs> no, he, he has a great memory, and he was he was playing in leagues at the time he was working in the company. He was going at home at, going home at night and playing in out by leagues. So so was Verl for that matter. Yeah, well, that's a real saint to put up with him for all these years, isn't she? <laughs> he has a a high tolerance for putting up. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, was there any plans? I always get this question once a month at least about uh, doing any additional 19th century season sets? No, not after, not after 1883. <laughs> yeah. Jim, Jim, Jim Tinney told me I was, and this wasn't the word he used, he told me I was foolish for putting that out, and he was correct. <laughs> well, you know, you can experiment. Uh, it was would have been harder back then because your print run certainly was much larger than our 20 we have to do at a time. You know, so, you know, a mistake or a slow selling item, you know, we don't have as much inventory invested on a shelf as you would have. Um, who came up with the Negro League set idea? Was that you or, uh, you know, I think, I think it was, I think it was Jim Riley. Okay. He approached you guys. I believe so. And a very, very fine gentleman, as I'm sure he, he is did. a good guy. He's got some health issues. He lives down here. I see Jim about once a year. No, he he was a wonderful man. <laughs> he is a wonderful man, I should yeah. say. I haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen him since the nineties, but I, I believe it was his idea. But I, I embraced it immediately. John, any other questions? Oh, let me talk about one other thing that should oh, be addressed. Sure. If we're going back to the eighties, there was a year, and it might have been eighty five, where the uh, the print quality of the cards declined. I want to take a mea culpa for that, but I really didn't have a whole lot of choice. We had our cards done. Uh, we had them printed at one place uh, and had the uh, the graphic arts done, the uh, the cutting of the cards, the round cornering, et cetera, et cetera, all done at one place. A company called Graphic Crafts uh, in Lancaster County. Wonderful company. Uh, they came to me and let's say, 84 or thereabouts and said they weren't going to do printing anymore. Uh, they were just going to concentrate on the graphic arts for other commercial printers, which they had been doing. Uh, if memory serves at the same time, the card stock that we had been using became unavailable and we had to either go to a thicker card stock uh, 
which was considerably more expensive and would be considerably more expensive to ship or to go to a slightly lighter weight car. We decided to go to the lighter weight car. That was my decision, Antics. Uh, at the same time, um, the printing industry was kind of in between, uh, in between the old ways and uh, the digital age. Mm -hmm. We had no choice but to go to a uh, digital printing of the cards but we couldn't get, uh, there was no, it was all dot matrix in those days. <laughs> you, uh, you couldn't get, you couldn't get a satisfactory resolution. And we did mm -hmm. the best we could over and over again. But I think there were two or three years where the card quality was not up to what it had been before. It was not only a lighter card, which couldn't be avoided, but the print quality was poorer. And it wasn't, uh, I felt like we kind of got backed into a corner on that. Maybe there was something better that I could have done. When people complained about it, there was really no good answer to it. So if there's fault to be attached to that and somebody's still resentful about it, it was no. <laughs> And if, no, looking for, if there's somebody looking for a 1983 sample card, maybe there still is resentment <laughs> from 1983. Well, they are. Send your emails to uh, support at Abba Games. We will read. Yeah. Do not publish your email. We will read every email. We reserve the right not to respond to it. Yeah. Well, that is important. That's a good point you bring up, though, Chris, because, boy, you cannot make a single – these – folks are fastidious over the quality of the cards and 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 i mean i i understand it i get it uh but there are times like you said you really were kind of had a gun to your head about how you were going to do it and you know maybe the choice wasn't the best but you you did the best you could but you're certainly going to hear it from from the customer base and yeah I, yeah and that's because they care so. they care and that's well, the, that's right the good thing is that uh by the end of next year We'll have redone every season from 54 forward, carding every player. Wonderful. That's it. That is fantastic. Uh, yeah. We thought it'd be at the end of this year, but we, we got behind last year by a season. Um, so, well, everybody's looking forward to it. Let me share a story with you guys uh, sure. that I think is clever. It's probably not the uh, Frank Thomas passed away uh, Monday. Yeah. And uh, he, he's in your replay, isn't sure he? Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Thomas was one of the original Mets. Yeah. He was a left fielder for them. And uh, he kept having issues with his shortstop. Oh. On shallow fly balls. I know this stuff. Good. Yeah, so do I. Okay. Well, Frank would call, say, I got it, I got it. And the shortstop would run into him. So Frank finds out that the shortstop doesn't understand English. So Frank learns how to say, I got it in Spanish. After about a week, there's a play. The shortstop goes out. Frank yells in Spanish, I got it. The shortstop gets out of his way. And Richie Ashbourne crashes into all his <laughs> Yeah, Richie, Rich, of course, listening to, listening to Richie Ashbourne broadcast for the Phillies for so many years, I heard that in many other stories uh, about the 62 Mets. Oh, yeah. boy. What you I know, most remember Frank Thomas for, of course, with his was his uh, fight with uh, Dick Allen. Dick Allen, then Richie Allen, which caused... Yeah. Uh, Thomas to be released and Alan to be even further hated in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and that was a shame on uh, both. Cause really, I mean, the story that was out there was that it really was Thomas's fault. Thomas was egging it on and uh, Alan had just had enough and, and then, but they didn't, you know, and again, back then, you know, it was perceived that, well, if it's about black player and a white player, it's a black player's fault. And so they really kind of put, and they told, they told Alan not to say anything about yep. it, not yep. to recount it yep. and to kind of protect himself. And of course, him being a young player, you know, he did what he was told. And uh, yeah, just things like that, that happened even back then. Do the you know that he was unprotected in the 62 draft? Who's uh, uh, Richie Allen was? The Mets or the Colt 45s could have had him. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. That well, there's, I did not know that. That's a, that's a good story. Is is Allen a Hall of Famer? You think? There was a big push. I I, I guess it's not going to happen now. There was a big push right before he died, and he didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. would. Uh, his stats are certainly a lot less than they could have been. 
but uh, when you compare them in the, that 10-year block that people use, mm -hmm. 64 to 73, you compare him to all the other superstars, he's uh, he's right near the top. He it, was uh, he was my favorite player to ever watch bat. I love to watch him hit. No, he, he was my favorite as a kid. I used to have a baseball card of him in the back pocket of my uh, of my baseball uniform when I played. I, 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 that's how much I love this guy. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story that has nothing to do with me. Uh, he was a uh, a manager in. Did I tell you this already? No, I no somebody I recently. One of these Phillies fantasy camps in the, mm -hmm. in spring training. He was a manager. I don't know, maybe ten years ago, and a close friend of mine uh, from Lancaster, uh, went to the fantasy camp and Dick Allen was his manager. And he said, Dick Allen hardly had a word to say the whole time he was managing except to post the lineup card. But, uh, my friend Howard said one time he was running in from left field and Howard's probably 65 years old at the time. He's running in from left field after a fly and he got close to it and reached out and it hit him on the forearm. <laughs> He got into the dugout and Dick Allen put his arm around him and said, Howard, next time try the glove. <laughs> he, he, you know, and, and when you saw him do interviews later in life, he was very soft-spoken. I mean, he, he, he spoke well. He was so enthusiastic about the game. And boy, from the news reports that came out when he was playing, he was nothing but trouble. And and it just it it just doesn't it just doesn't jive when you would hear him talk about how much he loved the game of baseball and and he he admitted he made some mistakes. But Most of the mistakes he made were off the field. He always he was always a hundred percent on the field. Oh, yeah, by rumor, he wasn't always sober, but uh, he was always hundred <laughs> percent. And he liked the he liked the ponies. He liked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, he had a horse farm after he retired. Yeah, it's, yeah, but now nah, I I I love. By the him. way, Dick Seitz was close friends. I mean, close friends with his mother. Really, he and he and he, Dick and his wife Jean and Mrs. Allen corresponded regularly. Very wow. good friends. Wow. Did well, you ever yeah. complain about his ABBA card? <laughs> maybe his mother did hey come on man. i don't know <laughs> hey listen guys again an absolute pleasure to, to have both of you on here and to and to go back and forth and and to hear the stories and we've covered now up to uh, about the end of of uh, the the 80s uh, next time we'll talk about the decade of the 90s and i'm telling you uh, there are some interesting stories there if you haven't heard any of these yet catch up but don't miss the next one because uh, 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 she talked about some of this at last year's convention and it was absolutely spellbinding if you're a fan of Apple. So uh, really looking forward to next time. Want to thank you again for taking the time to do this. And, uh, and I also want to say before we go, if anyone wants to ask Fritz a question, send it to me on a, a direct message through Facebook, or you can put it on the, uh, uh, the This Week and Appa page, but I would prefer it to come through my, uh, 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 my direct messaging on Facebook. I'll go through all of the questions, and we'll have a question and answer period uh, with Fritz uh, at some point in time during this process. So uh, get those questions in. Uh, we'll probably be uh, uh, doing another uh, uh, talk in about two weeks, guys. Can we uh, can we count on that? Sure. Uh, very much, very much enjoyed this one. I'll be ready. All right. We'll we'll get that together. And uh, again, thanks for taking the time to do this, John and Fritz. And looking forward to the next time. So until next time. Me too. I'm, I'm John Aslan saying so long. Thanks for listening in. And thanks to Fritz and John for also joining us. We'll see you next time on This Week in APA. <laughs>